0: The saint, Rabia, said, I do not desire heaven, and I do not fear hell. I want only Allah. In the Testaments, the holy books, the the Torah, the New Testament, the Quran. There are stories of prophets. And the prophets had connections with Allah. In the Old Testament, Allah spoke to Abraham. Allah spoke to Moses. Allah had direct connection to people on earth. In the New Testament, the the Christian version is that Allah's connection to earth and the people on earth is so great that he sent a son, his only son on earth, to be among the people to tell the truth of who he was. In the Quran, Muhammad, peace and blessings be upon him, goes directly to visit Allah. In addition to the revelation coming to him and through him, there was a direct journey to Allah. Uh, It's called the Mihraj. And he went from Jerusalem to the seat of Allah, and back to Jerusalem. In the formal prayer, or as they're sometimes called, the prescribed prayers in Islam, there is a portion of that prayer which is a portion of the mihraj and what occurred in heaven between the prophet, peace and blessings be upon him, the angels and Allah. It occurs when you sit down and it begins in the recitation When you sit down, which in translation is all acts of worship are for Allah. And this is what the prophet said. And then it goes on to Allah's peace be upon you, O prophet, and his mercy and blessings. And this is what the angels say to the prophet. And then the prophet responds, peace be on us all the righteous servants of Allah. And then the prophet says further, I bear witness that there is no God but Allah. And then the angels, and some say, maybe even God says, and I bear witness that Muhammad is his servant and messenger. So we have the Mihraj as part of our daily ritual for prescribed five times a day. And it's actually done more than that uh, if you do uh, all of the different sets of prayers. You say it quite a few times during the day. <clears throat> What's the point? Why are we asked to repeat the Mihraj? Why are we asked? to repeat what occurred. Well, in terms that we can understand, it is necessary for us that we believe that that which occurred, which was man meeting Allah, is something that we're supposed to be keenly aware of. And that's why we repeat it so many times during the day. But not only are we to be keenly aware of it, we're supposed to believe in its possibility and in its probability. For who? For us. And this is one of the core understandings within Sufism. Your covenant, besides with the religion and besides with the Prophet, is directly with Allah. And the end result of that The end result of this journey is that meeting with Allah. And in Sufism, it's said only Allah can commune with Allah, only Allah can know Allah, only Allah can truly pray. Allah and the meaning of that is that unless you are in a state of purity and in a state of Allah's qualities the distance between you and Allah is great and to lessen that distance we have to purify ourselves understand the qualities and incorporate those qualities in us. It's only then that we can understand reality because you can't understand something that you're not. You can't be something that you aren't. You can't have contact with something that you don't understand. So, to truly pray, you have to understand who you're praying to. To truly understand who you're praying to, you have to become like the one you're praying to. So, to truly pray, it means becoming that example. To truly pray... It means becoming that which you pray to. An incorporation is there. The final unity occurs. Now, in the creation, Allah gave off, and what he gave off was creation. And creation is elemental Allah is not elemental in the elements there is competition there is a constant struggle between the elements for superiority and for survival we are created as elemental forms, as is all of the worldly creation. So the worldly creation is in a constant state of competition to survive, to maintain, and to fulfill the desires that came with the sparkles. Of creation. Allah is beyond all these things. There's no competition within Allah. There's no worldly desire within Allah. There's no hoarding within Allah. Allah has everything and gives everything. Yet, we as people often feel deprived and without and needy and in this neediness we stoop to qualities that are beneath our creator and beneath the purpose of our creation and The concept of free will is the question of with all the difficulties that we run into in this world and all of the duties that we have in this world and all of the obligations that we have in this world. Can we go through them without stooping beneath the qualities that are Allah? Can we maintain our level at the level of the Asma' Husna? Can we maintain our level at the qualities that are the 99 names of God? Can we do everything that we're supposed to do within purity, can we remain within purity and still handle all that is necessary for us to handle within the world? Because if we can't, what we've done is we've cut off the birthright that was given to us at creation, which is to come back to know Allah. In a real sense, if you can't be like Allah, you can't get to know Allah. You can't get to be with Allah. Man-God, God-Man. The mystery of Allah is in man, and the mystery of man is in Allah. But for us to move towards the truth, towards reality, towards that joining, towards that moment of mihraj for our own being. The example that the prophet gave us of what was possible. To do that, we have to become pure. And we have to be able to be consistent in purity. You see, for a lot of people, it's easy to be pure when there's no interaction with others. It's easy to be pure When there's no obligations to others it's easy to be pure when they're in moments of no desire but it's very difficult to be pure if you're given power if you're given great wealth if you're given a lot of the things that the world has to give you it alters people jesus said It's more difficult for a rich man to enter into the kingdom of heaven than it is for a camel to go through the eye of a needle. What's the point? Quite simply, the point is that if you swallow the world, your purity is gone, and your entrance to where only the pure, can pass is prohibited. Not by anything anybody else does. Not by anything that God did, but by our own actions. It's like when you when you go through the uh, airport and you have to go to the, through the scanner. If you have metal on you, it rings. Well, it's the same way into the kingdom of heaven. If you have impurities on you, it rings and you're turned back until you can take off these impurities. Now, it's a lot easier to take your belt off than it is to take jealousy off. But you've got to do it. We have to be able to be cognizant enough of our own qualities to know which are <laughs> pure and which are impure and we have to somehow begin to make the choice for purity now for a lot of people it's difficult to conceptualize that what the prophets went through we can also go through well if that were so then Sufism wouldn't be teaching Fana, which is the disappearance of the self and the merging with Allah. Halaj wouldn't have run through the streets screaming Anul Haq! Anul Haq! The point being that Sufism dares to go to places that conventional religion stays away from. And why does conventional religion stay away from it? Well, there's lots of reasons. But some of them are they're institutions and they have to the institution has to be bigger than you are. They support governments and the government has to be bigger than you are and they need to keep you in place. Sufism gives a kind of freedom to the individual that is beyond any kind of freedom that can be given to you by a constitution or can be given to you by a government or can be given to you by a benign monarch. The con- the, the kind of freedom that Sufism is trying to give you is the freedom from yourself and the freedom from the world. The freedom from your needs. The freedom from your desires. The freedom from your thoughts. The freedom from your jealousies. The freedom from your anger. The freedom from your hastiness. The freedom from your desires. The freedom from your needs. All of these things that tie you in knots and have the ability to make your life miserable. It frees you from them. Now, that doesn't mean that you don't have obligations in this world. Because we do. We have obligations to our families. We have obligations to our children. We have obligations to our wives. We have obligations to our husbands. We have obligations to our society. But, if you do them With the sophistic understanding, you now begin to do all of these things without personal motive. You're not doing it so that you can get something anymore. You're doing it the way Allah does it, from Rahman and Rahim, from mercy and compassion. And we need to make this shift. We need to live a life of mercy and compassion, not so people will walk around saying, he is a merciful one, or he is a compassionate one. No, because this is what Allah does. And all praise belongs to Allah. So, Rahim, in the name of Allah, the merciful and the compassionate. So, if we are given the gift from Allah of being merciful and compassionate, then we need to say, Bismillah, irachman, rahim And all praise belongs to Allah. And in the beginning of the mihraj portion of the daily prayer, it begins with all praise and all worthiness is only to Allah. Because it's only those qualities that actually accomplish mercy and compassion. It's only those qualities, that creative nature, that put all this into being. And if we praise anything but that creative nature, that creator and sustainer, it's false praise Because we're praising things that are dependent on the creator and sustainer. And we don't understand that the things that are done by those who are compassionate are done because the creator and sustainer has chosen to allow that to go through them. The ones who get the gifts are the ones who are willing to give them away the ones who get the gifts are the ones who are willing to give them away so if you want to be in that flow of grace be willing to give grace away (laughs) be willing to give it all away and then it will continue to flow through you then it'll continue to go through you. It'll continue to come to you. So, you're being benevolent for the sake of, your, of yourself. You're being benevolent for your own purity. You're being benevolent for the sake of Allah. Because the truth in yourself is Allah. And each one of us there is that spark of that truth. And when we can coincide with that and act with that and become that and do on behalf of that, that's when freedom comes. Because we have no fear. We have no needs. We are now doing things from the unending source, the cornucopia of all cornucopias, the giver of all givers, the creator to whom there is no difficulty in creation or in anything else. And we need to become this way in order to save this being that sits here. And then we can become like Rabia and say, I don't desire heaven. I don't (coughs) fear hell. I only want to be Allah. This is the birthright that that was given to every man at creation. But then, within creation, we are put to various tests and through various teachings and through various learnings. Can we understand what those are? Can we see through the morass of all of the detours that exists in the world that try to take us away from that one path that is the truth? Concentrate on that one path. Become very aware of that one path. Bawa would always say, imam, iman, faith, certitude, and determination. It is not the easiest way to go. There are much easier ways to go. But we are among those who've chosen this way to go. So let's hold on to our Shaykh. Let's hold on to the truth. Let's go in that direction towards Allah, praising Him and understanding that all good that comes to us comes from Him and that our final home is with Him. Amin Amin Ya Rabbi ameen. assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullah wa <laughs>